Welcome to Self-Discovery Radio, where the discovery of self is just a show away. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Their Story Matters with me, your host, Sarah Troy, and my guest, Karen McGill. Multiple sclerosis. A lot of people seem to have it nowadays. We're beginning to actually understand what it is. And for so long, it was something that once you'd got it, it was a downward spiral. Don't expect much for life. You're not going to be able to do much. You have a disability. Well, things have changed and people realize that attitude is a great deal to, if not the healing, most certainly the coping with multiple sclerosis, MS. But it's something that you really have to have a mindset for and you have to listen to your heart and soul and understand you are so much more than this label. Well, Karen was rather devastated when she was told she had multiple sclerosis back in 2000. She kind of spiraled down for a while, you know, it was sad and lonely and what did this mean for her life? Could she do what she loved to do? You know, um, what was the adjustment going to be? But, you know, she, um, she got right back up. She went and discovered things for herself of what she can do. Because when we stop putting the emphasis on what we can't do and start looking at what we can do, we start shifting the whole perspective. And we start inviting all those things that we can do and that we're magnificent at. So she's become a writer. And she never would have become a writer had it not been for MS. And so there's other things that she can do. She can manage your finances, which we're going to be talking about later on down uh, in the show. The whole point of the thing is, is do not let the word disability mean that that's the end of everything. All it means is a redirect. You can't do the things you used to do. You now have to adjust and look at other things you can do and fuel those. So let's take the journey with Karen uh, from that moment when you have MS to how she decided that choice not to give in to it but to redirect and look at what she could do and how she could become despite it. Welcome to the show, Karen. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. So you were diagnosed with MS, and as with any diagnosis, it's always is, what does this mean? Uh, um, you know, my life has changed. You know, why me? I mean, you go through the whole entire motions. And, you know, what were you doing before this diagnosis? I was actually a tax collector with the Canadian government. Maybe that was a reason why you had to redirect. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I know a lot of people say that. Usually, I don't say tax collector; just kind of say federal government. But what the heck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we have to collect those taxes from the rich to help the poor, right? So, <laughs> good old Bernie Sanders' yeah. platform at the present moment, <laughs> right? Great for him. So, you, you were doing that job, obviously. You know, um, it was your career. You were doing well, and now you're diagnosed with MS and. As you said, uh, you know, you spiral down and you feel kind of sad and lonely and disconnected for a while. You know, um, it's hard when you get into those dark days and 
uh, where you know that that particular part of your life is over and you've got to redirect you you haven't thought about redirection at that time have you you're stuck in the the label that you've been given and what it actually means to you that's true you are because especially with a disease like this you look at how bad it can get mm-hmm. how bad people are and it's scary and I remember um, when I talked to someone with the MS Society, and she advised me not to go to any MS support groups, oh. at least in the beginning, because I would see the worst. Ah, okay. You know, and that can scare a lot of people. So it's for more advanced people with MS rather than people who had initially been diagnosed with it. Yeah, and for the newly diagnosed, it can get a bit scary. Mm-hmm. But I already knew somebody who was in a wheelchair that had MS. It was a friend of my parents. Explain to people exactly what multiple cirrhosis is. It's an autoimmune disease in which the immune system attacks itself. And what it attacks is the myelin sheath that covers your nerves. Because if you think of nerves like like a wire, Mm -hmm. you know how you've got plastic coating on the wire? Yep. The myelin sheath is like that. That's what's covering the nerves. And the immune system attacks it and leaves scars, patchy scars where it's attacked. And that's what happens why people have problems with mobility or with eyesight or with bladder control or whatever. It's because of those areas that have been attacked. Is there any cure for it? There is no cure. Uh, they're, they're always coming up with uh, new suggestions to help. We, we have the uh, stem cell, we have the uh, CCSCI, which is out of Italy where they uh, clear a blockage in the neck. Uh, that They're still studying that in Canada. Mm-hmm. Anyone who wants that has had to go abroad to get it. And, and it does you know, nutrition or, or you know particular kind of foods or lifestyle um, help it? Well, that's the funny thing is that they haven't come right out and said that yet. But people like Dr. Terry Walls, she was in a wheelchair, and she she published a book called The Walls Protocol, and hers is all diet. And she's mm-hmm. gotten rid of her grains. She eats a lot of vegetables and just very, very well. <laughs> I'd say strict, but it seems it's helped her. She's now biking and walking and the whole bit. So you like that, a whole food plant diet? Um, not a plant diet. It doesn't have to be plant, because I know a lot of people have done well on the, like just getting rid of grains. Mm-hmm, so the gluten. Yeah, it could be gluten, it could be grains. We don't know. Um, right. I know I was always advised to eat healthy. And that's made a difference for you? Uh, yeah, I got rid of my cane three years ago. Excellent. Excellent. And, well, actually, it was funny because well, there's a Safeway about a mile and a half from me. And I went walked down there with the cane, and then I stopped to take pictures of something and leaned the cane against the post. Went into Safeway and forgot the cane. When it came out, somebody had taken it. So I walked home. I figured if I could do that, I didn't need the cane anymore. Exactly. Exactly. So somebody did you a favor. Yeah, I think the cane was getting to be more of a uh, security blanket. Yeah, 
the crutch. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So you you know you've been diagnosed with this. You you investigate what it is and what it means to your life. So you know at what point did you go? Okay, you know yes, my life has changed. I have to do things differently. But you know when did your mindset change so that you're not going to give in to it? Well, I was first. I was always told, don't fight DMS because it'll fight back. Mm. So just try to incorporate it into your life. Um, See, I went on disability the end of September of 2000. And then, of course, you have a couple of months of fighting with insurance companies and everything to get your payments in. And during that time, I read a book by uh, Rick Hansen mm-hmm. about his around the world, The Man in Motion. Mm-hmm. And he wrote, I wrote him and told him how much it meant to me, and he wrote me back. And one of the things he said in the letter was to focus on what you can do and mm-hmm. do the best that you have. And I do that, and I find everything's possible. And I guess it was about January of 2001. I wrote a poem. I've always written. My grandmother was a published author, and I've always written ever since I could put words together. And I wrote a poem that got published in the uh, MS Society newsletter. And I started to dig out old books, and a few years later, I started self-publishing. And how many books have you written thus far? I have five published books right now. Right. And uh, three of them we have here is on the right side, The Story of Survival and Success, or two of them. Um, You know, we, we never know what's going to be our catalyst to us actually, you know, being directed to what we really are meant to be doing here. And... You know, I'm sure you were always meant to be that writer, you know, that motivator through writing. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, you know, sometimes it's like, okay, you know, why did you have to give me this? But as you say, it's 16 years. Um, for most people with multiple sclerosis, the most certainly would be in a chair. Um, you know, they would have kind of given in to the disease and the disease probably would have taken them over. But, you know, you've thrown away your cane uh, you've become, you know, a published author, and um, you're a motivator. You know, we will get to that other part later. But you know, it's it really is essential that the attitude changes, isn't it? It is, and I, I don't think I looked at it like this at first, but now I look back and think, you know, I was given a gift. Mm-hmm. Because as long as I'm disabled and I can't go back to a nine to five job, I don't have the energy that for that chronic fatigue is a big mm-hmm. fear with MS and if I went back to a full time job I'd probably have another attack and just be you know, right back where I was or worse so I've created a new life for myself I've recreated myself and I haven't had to worry about well, too much about money because I have enough to cover the necessities yeah. which I mean, because it's hard to reinvent yourself when you're worried about having to cover the necessities. Oh, yeah, being there. Um, you know, I have a minor disability, nothing compared to yours, but, you know, one of the side effects is that chronic fatigue. And, you know, I cannot work in the, the, the regular workforce because of that, um, because there's simply there is not the energy there. Um, but it, it's you have to kind of honor your body, you know, honor what it's capable of doing. Know its triggers of when it's like, no, you're pushing too far. 
and then find that channel where you can direct your energy and that in turn energizes you back and you know and find something you love because when you love something it really creates a beautiful energy that helps you throughout your whole body mind psyche and everything doesn't it oh it does i mean i like to say that you know i think about it at times like if i was still working for the government i would have a really nice wage by now Mm -hmm. um but would i be as happy as i am right now exactly i'm doing things I mean, doing things that I love to do. You're trying to help people and you're writing and going out walking, exploring the city. It's just, I think at times this is the life I was meant to lead. Yes, exactly. And, uh, you know, that, you know, a lot of people go, well, you know, what you wanted, MS? No, it was what was giving you to redirect you. And because yes. it's been given to you in a way that didn't cripple you because you didn't allow it to, um, you know, you said, you know, you've eaten nutritionally, your mindset is more to what you can do, you're following your heart's desire. And I don't think people realize how empowering that is in fueling the body against any disease that comes into their life. And that that energy that you create, that flow, that divine energy that runs through you will protect you and look after you. And it's something that I think that people get so stuck in the diagnosis and the disease that um, they forget to fuel the possibilities and they give in to it. And you clearly didn't. And uh, as you said, now you're living your gift. You're doing the things you love. That's right. And anyone, I always say anyone can do it. You may have to adjust your dreams to your new reality. Yeah. But that's minor. Dreams are made to change. I mean, you know, you look at some people and you think, oh, you know, I wish I could do that. And it's, uh, and you know you can't because the energy isn't there. And of course, unless people have something, they just don't get it. Because especially right. if you look all right, then people automatically assume everything must be all right. And when you try and explain, you know, disease or disorder that you have and you talk about chronic fatigue, well, just get a good night's sleep. When they don't oh, realize yeah. one of the reasons you have chronic fatigue is because you can't get a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, or, or I've got, well, just meditate. That's great for fatigue. Yeah. Uh, me, you know? yeah. Yeah, they don't realize that that is the physical thing that's yeah. there, that your your mind can feed so much, but then you get those overwhelming days where it's like, nope, the plug's been pulled on you, you're not going to do anything today. It's just the body wants to have its time. And you have to learn to just to give in to those moments and let it have its rest, its re, you know replenishment, and then slowly come back. But it, a great deal of it is, is you're in partnership with your your MS. And you can live very fruitfully together as long as you honor each other's boundaries, right? That's, that's a good way of putting it. And yes, that is it. And I always say, because people go, well, it's not fair. Well, yeah, I know, but neither is life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I say, that's one thing that it really annoys me when people go on and on about how unfair it is. Well, you can sit here and gripe about how unfair your life is, or you can get out there and do something. Yeah. 
And I don't mean to sound harsh. I 100% agree with you. You know, there are so many people with physical disabilities, but then there are so many people with disabilities because of their mindset. You know, their their fear or their anger or their, you know, you owe me or this was done to me once and I'm crippled in my past. You know, they don't realize that that's become a disability because it's stopping them from moving forward and embracing everything that they're here for. So you have a physical disability, which is something you can measure. But I know you know that there are so many people with these disabilities have been trapped in their past. Uh, that they're, you know, that in in a lot of ways is more crippling, isn't it? Well, it is because a lot of people go on about injustices done yeah. to them. I mean, I was like that, like when I was in um, elementary school, I was always like the unpopular kid, you know. And you start hoarding all thoughts, getting revenge against your tormentors. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like you get to an age where it's like, why? <laughs> you know? A waste of energy. Yeah. I mean, they don't know you're still holding grudges against them. You're not hurting them. You're only hurting yourself. Yep. When you hold on to the past and the hurts of the past, all you're doing is holding on to things that are harming you. When you let go of it, and that's what I did, is I actually sat down one day and I just wrote down everyone who had ever slighted me or anything that I was mad at, and I just went, forgive, forgive, forgive. Mm-hmm. And once I did that, I started remembering good times of my childhood and the better things. And that's really important. You know, I'm in the process of writing my book right now, but I'm only writing it from the last 16 years and, you know, kind of joining a lot of articles that I've written. And in doing so, you know, it's it's flowing for me right now, which it hasn't before. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some things, you know, there are some dark moments that you do have to hit on because they're the premises of, you know, the direction, you know, why you went where you went. And one can, you know, write them as a fact, but don't get reattached, right? You know, it is what's happened to you, and that was your catalyst for, where, you know, for moving forward or for doing what you did. But uh, it's so easy for people to then get, get caught back in the anger and the emotion. Status is a fact. But don't reinvest your emotion into that. Pour your emotion into your possibilities. Don't go back and feed the past. That and also another thing is don't imagine problems. Yeah. You don't <laughs> to do that. I do. I have to watch myself. Sometimes I'll do that. Do you think if something's happening, going to happen in the future? Yes. And all of a sudden you start thinking of the negatives and how are you going to react? The what if? The what if? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> it rarely ever happens like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and of yeah. course, you know, the only the only moment you have is the now. The gift of the present is in the now. And if you take care of your now, your next now is taken care of. Or you're prepared for what happens to you in your next now. If you're constantly living in the part in the future and worrying about it, you're missing out on the gift of the present. That's right. But so many people don't see it like that. Mm-hmm. It's one day at a time. With you know, you can pay, you can paint a landscape of where you want to go, but you can't dictate who's going to be in it, what you're going to be wearing. You know, all you can do is just paint a wish picture, but you can't live in that picture. You have to live in your now in order for that picture to manifest. Very good way of putting it. So you you wrote poetry. 
And so what was it an, a natural thing to, okay, well, if I could do poetry and I'm published with this, why not write a book? Or did, did the book just tap you on the shoulder and say, let me out? Well, actually, the first book, because I've been writing books since, oh, I was in my late teens. So what I just did when I decided to publish is I resurrected an old manuscript and we, you know, spruced it up and rewrote it. It's called The Bond, A Paranormal Love Story. Mm, nice. It was, I intended it for um, Harlequin, but they never took it. But now since I've self-published it, it's won an award, been translated into Turkish, and it's been adapted to film. Wonderful. Yeah, and it's it was just all of a sudden, I did write a book which got scrapped on my experiences with MS. It was a um, fiction. It was a horror book, just really way out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cathartic to write. Right, exactly. You wrote that for you. Yeah, and then the um, on the right side, which we talked about, is the story of me with MS. That comes from a bunch of journals that I kept when I was first diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's something is, is that, you know, we ask people to be positive and, and have a proper mindset. But as I said, you're going to get those days you go down. I'm sure that with MS, you know, depression comes into play. I know it certainly does with me. And, you know, sometimes it's just there uh, and it, you have to acknowledge it's there. Maybe it's an indication of something going on. Maybe it's a lack of nutrients in your body. Or maybe it's just there because you've got a sad day and it's acknowledge it. But don't give it any fuel. Don't let it grow. Um, and it's it's constantly that balance, isn't it? And it's living your life in balance. Um, and But allowing those emotions to come to play. Because you can't stay in cheer all the time. No, you don't stay cheerful all the time. That's why I'm a, I have the advantage of the fact that I live alone. <laughs> yeah. Because if I have a bad day, I don't have to see anybody. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, but... The thing is, is that if you can, you're going to have bad days. If you wake up deciding you're going to be happy, most of the time you are. You're going to have things that will disrupt your flow, mm -hmm. you know, knock your your train off its tracks, but you just have to work around them, figure out how to get around it all the time, because they're going to be there. Exactly. So and life would be pretty boring without it. Exactly. And, you know, as you said, writing that book was that it was your release. It was you coming to terms and kind of by making it rather like a horror type thing. It's, you know, uh, kind of you getting it's one up and ship on it, I would imagine. <laughs> It'd be interesting <laughs> to publish it one day. Um, um, I don't oh. even know if I still have it. <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. But, you know, I mean, that's, you know, I encourage people to write, even if it's just blogging or writing for yourself, because you know, write or art or, or do something, but release, don't leave it inside of you. So mm -hmm. um, you're saying that the Bond, a paranormal love story was uh, one that um, that came out later, uh, or if it came out first and then you kind of just backburned it. Um, so obviously it was a book that most certainly had to be written and obviously it wasn't ready to be published at the time when you first bought it out. But um, tell us a little bit about the book. I love paranormal stories. Okay, a woman in Vancouver gets hit by a car at the corner of, I think it was Robson and Burrard, 
at the same, the exact same moment in time, a man in Toronto gets hit by the identical vehicle. Both of them have out-of-body experiences, and they meet. Their forms meet, and then when they part to go back to their bodies, each takes a piece of the other with them, mm. making them true soulmates. When the man, uh, he starts sensing that she's in trouble, that there's danger around the woman, and he flies on a plane. <laughs> People have asked me if he could fly. He flies out <laughs> over to help her. But he doesn't even know who she is at this point. It, no, he can just see her. Right. But they've done research and they found out. No. Mm-hmm. No one's much away. I know, you know, when you think about it, you know, we, we all have that connection. I mean, every single person um, has their own identities, not just our fingerprints or our hair. Um, there is our DNA vibration. And yeah. that is, you know, when we're out there in the universe amongst the collective, it is that accumulation of vibra- vibrations that make the whole. Um, it doesn't that you just become one and blend into something and, be, you know, become oblivious. You are part of that collective as an individual soul. But when you connect with somebody vibrationally, and it can be anywhere in the world, there is no proximity to anything. Um, when there is that connection, this it's a signature that you understand, isn't it? And unless you put a bond that is formed um, and you could bond with somebody and you can feel things that are going on and uh, you may not even know that you actually do know them until that connection somehow kind of triggers. Um, well, it's like I've, I've been told, you know, I'm slightly empathic, so I can sometimes pick up senses from people. Mm-hmm. Like I can be walking somewhere and all of a sudden be just, overwhelmed with an emotion. Like one time it was sadness. I was walking somewhere I never knew and all of a sudden just all the sadness just kind of downloaded itself on me around the corner and there was a funeral parlor. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I think we're all connected if we can just recognize it. Yes, and 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 there's the, you know that particular kind of picking up isn't so pleasurable as the one I've done through my life. I've been a spiritual counselor for over 40 years. And, you know, I would go through past graveyards and hear voices and, and I would pick up sorrow and pain from people. And, uh, you know, it just gets to a point where it consumes you. So rather like you, you know, I kind of have a flatmate, but I kind of live more or less on my own and become reclusive um, and choose to celebrate people rather than being around that because it can be rather daunting. Um, yeah. But, you know, of course, you're in tune in also to the joy and the beauty of life as well. Um, and it's just, you know, changing channels. And, you know, people look at the paranormal, you know, as like the X-Files and all spooky. But, I mean, it's it's there. It's around us. It's just whether we're going to open up our eyes uh, to to see it. I mean, like, well, I need to see it to believe it. No, you need to feel it to believe it. Because it's a feeling before you see it, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's. But the problem is, is that our society doesn't teach us to listen to the feelings and recognize them. Mm-hmm. So many times I think that we're just, we maybe we've got the feelings, but we tamp them down. You know what I mean? Yeah, we haven't been given permission. We don't want to be appear to be stupid or out then. Um or a, or a kook or a freak. Yeah, well, you know, I, I just own it. I'm a kook, I'm an all of that, you know, it's a, I'm a freak. 
uh, as they say, freak le chic, you know, that's me, um, because that's who I've been all my life. So it's, uh, and you know, rather, you know, like with your MS, and you're, you're a writer, you're Karen, with MS. You know, I am Sarah with these abilities. Um, and it's, I think this is where we, where we need to kind of get out of ourselves, isn't it? And stop trying to label, box, and compartmentalize everybody and realize we all are a divine energy with a, a meaningful purpose here. That's right. I like the way, I like the way you put things there. <laughs> thank you, love. Thank you. Um, so, you know, that you made this has been made into a short movie. So, you know, when are we going to be able to see that? When, what's the process that's going on with that? Um, actually, it's still in the beginning stages. It'll be a couple of years yet. Okay, good. Well, you have to let us know when it is and come back and, and share it with us. Um, as I said, I love uh, stories like this because I think it wakes people up to actually understanding that there is so much more out there. You know, everybody yes. looks at dating sites nowadays. But, you know, why do you fall for somebody? You know, sometimes it's, uh, it's the chemistry. You know, the uh, sometimes it's the intellect. But, you know, when you actually connect with somebody on that soul level, um, that soul and heart, that connection there, um, it is so bonding uh, and you cannot escape it. And you're driven by needing to meet these people, connect more with them because that soul and heart resonance is so strong. That's, yeah, I agree with you totally there. And a lot of people think, you know, just think, you know, well, you know, they've got a good job, uh, they earn a good money, they've got a nice car, they dress well. That's all superficial. Um, and we really have to kind of look at relationships. I would say people, uh, we have four complete senses that we use all the time. Um, you know, there's there's the, um, you know, the touch um the the touch taste feel see hear all of that type of thing um but you know i call it uh, the soul intellect um the heart passion the spirit action and then the open mind and uh, when we use all four of those we have the whole picture we have a whole understanding but society is dictated so much on the emphasis on the brain on the mind they haven't incorporated the heart the spirit or soul into it and this is why people are so disconnected and I think this is why you'll see people with some disabilities really go on to kind of thrive in their disability and where other people kind of crumble and literally die. That's an interesting theory. It's probably almost right on the mark too. Mm. It's what we fuel, isn't it? It's what we feed. It is. I mean, I'm working now with um, a coach for my coaching business and a lot of what we're doing at the beginning is a lot of the um, getting the mind right mm -hmm. you know journaling um, listening to people like Bob Proctor and that it's just opening your mind and it's really interesting that it's not all business when you really get into it yeah it's not just okay well you do this this and this and this will happen no it's opening your mind to well r business business relationships have changed uh, radically and where it used to be just business and you became disconnected mm -hmm. it now people are realizing you are your business 
and no one's going to do business with you until they've bought you. And so you need to step forth and be authentic and love what you do and speak with it with conviction wholeheartedly. Then people want to do business with you. So it's changed completely, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not just the faceless corporation Mm -hmm. anymore. It's actually people. Interaction, participation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and that's what a lot of people, I think, have to learn, is that it's, things are changing, and everything is about more about connecting with people. And because of all the technology, we're, we're suffering a lack of connection. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear stories, I mean, people joke about it, you know, family dinner and everything, all these kids are on their uh, smartphones. But the sad thing is, is that happens. Yes, way like too I much. Friend, I have a friend who has a teenage daughter. And her and her friend will come over and they'll be texting each other and they're sitting right beside each other. I know. It's pathetic, isn't it? I mean, truly, if if they actually saw themselves, if somebody took a picture and saw themselves, you know, it, it will be, what am I doing? But they're so caught up with it. Or yeah, just another post, or just another text, or just another this, you know? Yeah, or um, all these selfies. Mm. You know, people <laughs> themselves in the It's like, <laughs> come on. You know, like that, I'm sure you've seen that meme on Facebook about growing up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, how lucky we were that uh, we got to grow up before technology. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's me. That's my era. And yes, you know, it's... And, and you know, if you've got a nice picture of yourself, post it. You know, I found uh, some pictures of myself that an ex-boyfriend had sent me um, when I was 17 and I thought I had a body then and so I posted a picture you know and and it's great when people kind of make comments and things like this it's all really great for the self-esteem and things like that but it's this incessant you know a uh, Cardassian selfie you know um, uh. ego and uh, there are some people as we know on Facebook because we're both there and that it's selfie all the time and it's, you know, the, it's a love affair with themselves, which is great, but it's not an invitation for other people to interact with them because there's too much of a love fest going on with themselves that it really pushes people away. If people could just open their eyes and go, hey, listen, you know, there's more out there than technology. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Even, oh, even using the social medias, it, you know, the, it's a wonderful tool. You do your business through, uh, through online, and, and the whole beauty of it is is using it as a tool that helps you interact with people, right? That's, that's it. You're using it as, you can use it to promote your business, which I'm sure you do and I've done. Um, or use, and use it to connect with people, get to know people from different parts of the world. I mean, that's the exciting thing about social media. Yeah. And most certainly, I mean, that's a a huge way I get to know people is they they post something. I really like what they're posting. I'll go and look at their site. I like the work they're doing. I think their message should get out there. So I invite them to come on the show. But it started off from not, you know, uh, their business posting, blah, blah, blah. It came from something they posted that kind of resonated and that became an invitation to converse. And that, that, uh, that interaction, that. right? Yeah, more people are doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, 
it's like, okay, fine, that's your brand, that's what you do, but what about you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm tr- I try to be very careful not to post anything political, because <laughs> that's a hotbed. Yeah, no, I'm I'm stepping into ownership of of that because I'm a, I predicted back in October um, of Justin Trudeau getting in, and I think Bernie will, and so um, I do I do get on the bandwagon with um, you know supporting him because I think the world needs him, um, but um, you know getting into the tirade, no, don't get into the tirade. It's so easy to do and oh screw them or hate them or kill them. No. When that dialogue goes there, just delete it and stay away from that because that's, uh, you know, it's negative vibrations, which we don't need. So you can speak up against the things that are going wrong in the world, but you feed the energy to the victims or the awareness that we can all step up and do something about, but don't get caught up in the hate fest. Yeah, it's not, well, there's a, so that meme if you want to, or how to start an argument on Facebook. Post your opinion and wait. (laughs) And there are some antagonists. That's what they live for. They're they're what we call the shit stirrers, right? (laughs) And there are a lot of them out there. Yes. (laughs) And, and, you know, there is your free will. You know, don't complain about them. Just don't participate with them. Yeah, because, I mean, even when you try to explain yourself calmly and rationally, it still blows up. Yeah. And then other people get involved. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, so I, just, I, I delete it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that comes also in real life as well. I am sure that you had people around you of, oh, you have MS, you poor thing. And they want to make you sicker than you are. You know, they want to get you in that wheelchair quickly, you know, and appear to be looking after you because they're those kind of crisis junkies. And you have to be very, very careful that, you know, you are with anybody with a disability doesn't fall into that woe is me victimization because of other people or like with me I also get well you don't look like you have MS mm-hmm. yeah okay <laughs> how are you meant to look you know yeah well because they're seeing it as in the wheelchair right yeah yeah and so everybody must have that you know I have fibromyalgia yeah. it is not seen so you yeah. don't know what's going on in my body, but you see me walking about or, you know, running a station, but you have no idea what's going on in the body. And, uh, yeah, and you, you know, when, when people say that to you, what you have to do is then, I'm so glad you don't see it. I must be doing something right. <laughs> and the thing is, is that a lot of it's coming from people's own insecurities and no oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And for, like, when I was first diagnosed, uh, I lost a lot of friends. And at, at first it hurt, but then I realized, you know, I think people get afraid of their own mortality. And with somebody that was healthy one day, and then all of a sudden the next day, they're partially paralyzed on one side of their body. That's scary. Yeah. And I'm sure they don't mean to withdraw, but it just happens, right? And for a lot of people, they just don't know what to do. They right. don't know how to speak to you. You know, um, I, I have kind of a no-nonsense attitude. Okay, you've got this, so how are we going to deal with it? Let's not feed, you know, feed the pain, but let's fuel the solution. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the first people that people will call when somebody passes. Because they speak, now we're going to take all those memories and we're going to put them in a beautiful ball and place them in our heart. 
and we're going to wish them well on their journey. And I turn, yeah. the, you know, the death experience around. And, and for some people, that's annoying because they thrive on being sick. Yeah. Oh, I've known a, quite a few people that, especially since you become, I be, excuse me, <laughs> most malfunction. <laughs> especially since I came down with MS, that do thrive on being sick. Yes. Every little pain, every little ache. Yeah. 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 Rushing to, the rushing to get the steroid treatments because they have a left toe has gone numb. Well, what are you doing to your body? Yes. By yeah. continuing, you know, just take a break. Wait, wait and see what happens. You know, instead of the drug, maybe you're needing a little therapy. You know, maybe you, you need to look at, well, what does your body need in order to get circulation going again? Is that people are so rushing towards the drugs and the extreme yeah. that they don't realize there are so many other solutions that are less abrasive and much kinder to your body but that you know they also kind of get dr I remember going to a fibromyalgia clinic and it, it was a it was a um, they're meant to support people with fibromyalgia and the guy doing it oh I know it's hard I know you're in pain. I know each day is difficult. And eventually I had to say something. I said, it's only as hard as we allow it to be. If we stop feeding the hardness and start looking at, you know, the, the good things or, you know, how to rise above it, we'll survive it. And people looked at me and go, what? <laughs> oh, yeah. And, th and then they, they get upset with you. Yes. I didn't go back. I, <laughs> I, I have found that with people. I've gone, okay, fine. What do you think? Okay, you have this disease. What can you still do? Well, I can't do anything. And you know, what dreams can you still maybe accomplish? Mm -hmm. And oh, I get some rude comments. <laughs> <laughs> and and that comes down to that choice, isn't it? And you know, I think you know a huge part of the reason why you are not in a chair and not even with your cane is that because you, you know, looked at your MS and go, okay, it, it, all it is is a redirection. You know, these are the things I positively can't do. Okay, they're off the table. But it means that I now need to put my emphasis in the things I can do that not only are just a, a, a contribution, but they're also my heart, soul, and passion. And that feeds the rest of your body. And that's the reason why you're not in a chair now. I, I, in one of my speeches, I say that uh, one of my first thoughts when I was given the diagnosis was that I'll never be able to climb that 2.9. 2.9 kilometer hike up grass mountain grass grind <laughs> and that was replaced with thank god I don't have to climb the grind again <laughs> exactly um, <laughs> I, I, I go up the grind by the gondola and I meet everybody with a beer at the top <laughs> <laughs> um, you know if that's what you want to do and that's what you know you, you love to do then go and do it but um, you know the thing is is we've got to I've always had some some disabilities born with asthma and things, so I've always had restrictions. And, uh, you know, I remember at boarding school, kids grabbing me by my hair and they dug a hole in the ground and they were planting me like a weed because I couldn't do the things that other kids could do. And, you know, it was it was funny because I didn't seem to be upset. And I'm 10, so I have every right to be upset. But I didn't seem to be upset because I thought they just don't understand. 
It's right. not it's not my choice that I can't do these things. It's my body's restriction. And this is before they came out with ventilators, you know, um, inhalers, um, mm-hmm. which kind of changed everything around. You know, anything would spark an asthma attack at that point. But it's, this is, you know, I remember somebody else with a disability saying to me, it is not the disability that's the problem. It's people's perception of it. Including the person that has it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the reason why um, I bring on people like you, you celebrate the life you have and live it to the fullest. And you don't go and give in to the label you were given. You know, it's uh, a guy I met just a lot longer after I was diagnosed told me that, remember, you have MS. MS doesn't have you. Exactly. You know, exactly. We have to remember that, yeah, it's part of you, but it's not you. It's not the whole of you. No. You know, it, it, it restricts you, but it doesn't define you. Right. You look to what you can do in life. There are so many people walking around with disabilities today, physical and emotional. One uh, in seven Canadians has a physical disability. Right. Right. And some of them are very obvious. And then some of them, like mine, with the fibromyalgia, you know, 20 years ago, um, God knows now, 97, 98 is when I was diagnosed. Well, they thought, you know, they were, they were on the cusp there trying to understand what was wrong with me. They think I had it beforehand. So I'm, you know, going on quite a while now. Um, you know, it was still, what is this fibromyalgia? And you yeah. know, and what is the extent of it? And then you know they start seeing you know all the repercussions that come with it, and you know nowadays there are so many people with it. Now a lot of it to do is stress. I'm you know that's one of my triggers. But diet, mm-hmm. you know, our diet it has become so bad with so much processed food and so many chemicals, um, and you know that you know our bodies are suffering from it. So the intake of food is essential to anybody's well-being but when you do have a disability you really have to get to know your body and what it needs don't you in order to compensate uh, because it's working harder for you than a regular body yeah and that's one thing I really like I've been my father died oh in December of 2014 he was a diabetic he had numerous heart 12 heart attacks or something wow 13 if you count the one he had in the hospital mm-hmm. um and he had had strokes, so I mean, but you know something—he was Irish and he had a sense of humor. Yeah. Dying day, you know. But the thing is, is that I did a lot of studying on nutrition and realized how our nutrition, our guidelines for eating, are hurting us so badly. Yes. And I'm going back to like a Bantine style with whole food, high fat, low carb, and moderate protein, not stuff in my face with protein but a lot of that and just I'm starting to feel better my weight's going down and I think that that's the uh, trigger that a lot of people haven't gotten is instead of turning to the medications turn to real food exactly 100% with you there Um, as uh, Wise Health uh, host says you know God's pharmacy yeah Um, you know, and this is, you know, when you look at these ads for these drugs, it helps this. And then for 10 minutes, there are the side effects. You know, the one that gets me, depression hurts. Take this for depression. The side effect may cause suicide. And I go <laughs> like, 
A, how they could, how can they even morally put on a commercial like that? And B, knowing that, why would you even accept that drug? And it's um, mind blowing. It really is. And a lot of like a lot of our, um, because as you know, our a lot of our food is so tampered with now. Yes. And I hear people complain, but it's too expensive. Well, it may be expensive in the beginning to switch over. But you know, I see people shopping that I know are on lower incomes, and I look, and they're obese. Their kids are obese, mm-hmm. and they've got piles of the ramen noodles and everything else. And I think, geez, you know, if you just go in somewhere and got some, you don't have to eat grass-fed meat and all that. I'm sorry, you got me off on one of my tangents. No, go get, go for it. <laughs> but you don't have to eat like that. Just start switching over. And in the long run, you'll find you spend less money on food because you Absolutely. don't eat as much and you have more energy. The Most people's problem today is malnutrition. And that's yeah. nothing to do with emaciated people. It's the people that are overweight because they're not getting the nutrition from the foods they're eating. They're empty. They're devoid of any nutrients. If you start introducing proper whole nutrition into your body by organic foods, um, whole foods from the farmers, you know, local foods, you will actually eat less and fortify your body more. And But there is a transition. You have to work your way through the transition. Uh, and people that do do that uh, go, I'm never going back. I am so much healthier. I have less this problem, less that problem. And my grocery bill is less because I don't need to eat as much. You don't need to, and you're not buying all the processed crap. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, we really, you know, our health is a lot to do with it. We can get served something, right? Like you got served a plate of MS, but you don't have to eat <laughs> the whole ingredient. You know, how we're going to live our lives and how we choose to give in to something is up to us. And we do have to step up to uh, some responsibility for our own choices and what we're going to do to enhance our own health. That's exactly right. Now, I know like I'm about mm, 70, 80 pounds overweight right now, so I've got some work to do. But the thing is, is that I think I've seen the light. Mm-hmm. And by switching my eating lately, I've been feeling even better, which is really great with everything I've got going on. Exactly, and and the and the, the domino effect, right? When you start feeling better in one area, it starts domino and affecting all your other areas. Yeah, I mean, I don't sit at home, you know, watching TV and drinking and eating chips anymore. Right. So. Yeah, and it's so easy. Those packet chips are calling you. Uh, and then and then I think, you know, I think what I do is I remind myself, yes, it's all very good, like peanuts, you know, to eat them. But then there's that taste in your mouth afterwards, you know, um, of the fake oil or the this, the that. And it's like, no, 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 I go to those that taste bud. Oh, no, this is how I feel after I've eaten it. And so they're no longer exciting. So I think sometimes we have to look at that makes me sluggish, that you're really that didn't taste so good in the end or that this and jump to that and <laughs> don't get enticed by them calling your name as you're going down the aisle that's yeah that's right and me my problem is I've recently developed an allergy to wheat but I love those cheese buns mm-hmm mm-hmm and so I'll be at the uh, 
you know, at uh, one of the uh, little stores on the dr- commercial drive. And, of course, they've always got them right there at the front counter. <laughs> so there but is I your temptation. <laughs> oh, I have to say, is it, I have to look at it and go, is it worth a week of itching? Because I get hives, right? Right, exactly. And it is. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, you know, the more and more you look at that and kind of think of the hives, the less and less is the desire. And then it's like I can look at that and go, no, thank you. You know, so it, it's you have to understand that we have to allow time for our minds to change, for that reprogramming to step into place. And they go, well, you know, I tried it once and it didn't work. It's try, try, try again until it, you know, it switches over. Yeah, and it may take a while and you may slip and it's okay. We're human. We're allowed to make mistakes. Yeah, exactly. And don't become fanatic, right? Right. Because then you're actually putting more emphasis on that. Oh, I've got to do this, or I fell off the wagon. Uh, you know, uh, and that's okay. You'll make up for it tomorrow. Uh, you know, and just lighten up on yourself. Yeah. Take it easy. As you said, enjoy the present. Enjoy mm-hmm. the moment. Exactly. Now, you have a 90-day turnaround, how to transform the quality of your life starting today. And uh, you, you help people, you know, financially, um, become independent and of course that you know that is another huge thing when people with a disability or as I'm saying people with the unseen disability you know just confusion fear in transition finances you know they're they're that curse you know, everybody just wants money in their bank they don't want to know how to deal with it but if we know how to deal with it uh, and manage it better it becomes less fearful and less intimidating. So would you let everybody know what you are offering them? Okay, well, first of all, the 90-day turnaround is my program to help people with chronic illness or disability achieve goals. Mm-hmm. The financial one, I haven't gotten everything together for it. It's called 90 Days to Financial Stability. And what it is, is that one is, because looking around, I'm seeing so many people like, Women in their 30s, neighbors of mine, they get all upset if the manager doesn't, or the owner doesn't cash the rent check right away because they don't know how much is in their bank account. I'm going, check register? Keep track? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you know there's an extra $1,000 in there, well, you know, and I've seen it all over the place. And when I was a tax collector, people get so overwhelmed by a big a debt. Mm-hmm. And they kind of stick their head in the sand and try to ignore it, and it just keeps growing. Yeah. But if you get the handle on it, and if you're living like paycheck to paycheck, get a handle on it. Get a budget. Stick with it. Find out. Have somebody keep you accountable. And that's what I do for the first 90 days. You know, we'll get, take a look at your finances, get everything together, make out a budget you can live with, and then we'll go through it and have you stick to it. It sounds simple, but a lot of people need it. Yeah, they do. And, and you know, you, you always allow the guilty pleasure mon- money. You know, this, oh, is, yeah. this is, you can go and spend this on whatever you want. It's your guilty pleasure. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. You know, and if you know that's what you've got to look forward to, I'm going to spend it on this this time, you actually appreciate what you spend that guilty pleasure on a lot more. Um, but, yeah, people get you know, caught up so much. And I've been down that road myself, you know, where it's like, 
robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, uh, and your finances, just like, how do you manage to pay this bill this month? Because you're still catching up on last month. And if you could just set up a pattern of what you know, ABC's got to go out before anything else. And now I've got this for this and I've got this for that. There's a peace of mind about it, but just allows you to go and then manifest other things in your life because you're not fretting over the next bill. And there's other tricks that, you know, I can help people with, but, you know, I'm not going to give them all away on the phone, on this interview. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but no, and that's the thing. So, I mean, it is a way for me to improve my life by helping others. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, and we've all got to have a meaningful purpose. And, um, and, and you know, because obviously... You know, this is why I say when people have a redirect in life, they always take something from their past life with them because they are the tools. You being that tax collector and understanding finances, you know the structure that's needed today. So now you're able to adapt it into a program today that serves people in, in real time. So they're not looking at the taxman knocking on their door. <laughs> Or the credit card company or whatever. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, how many people, you know, just like, oh, my, gre the credit card company are like terrorists. They're just, not, you know, they're just terrorizing me. And, uh, you know, I've been down there and it's, it's you know, they're, they're, they're like Gestapo and uh, it's horrific. And so you want to prevent that from happening because it can be terrifying. It's not only that, it's I find the people... To get into self-destructive behaviors, mm -hmm. you know, they'll be you know, smoking, drinking, drugs, whatever, just because they are so stressed and so in pain. Yeah. And so afraid of what's going to happen. And that is um, where you have to try to relieve the pressure and help them form, formulate a plan. I mean, if all of your money is going on cigarettes then it's time to really look at giving up the smokes. You know, the, yeah. you know, buy the patch, get the help you need to go through that transition, and then taking all that smoke money and putting it in a jar, and then look at what you got at the end of the month. Where could that go that's more fruitful for you? There is that, but there's another thing to remember, because I'm an ex-smoker. Right. Person in high stress, don't try to get them to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. You know, or just try to find other ways and gradually they will get to that point right cut back cut but back slowly don't go cold turkey yeah don't don't hit them with, because the thing is is that I know when I smoke people say well you could just quit smoking you'll have more money and there's a wall that goes up yeah, yeah. You know? you're taking away you're taking away that cane before yeah. you're ready right yeah so I mean and I know a lot of people that try clean smoking, they try Zyban, they try the patches, and it doesn't work. And right. one day they just do it. Yeah. Because yeah. they have to be ready. Right. And if you start making other aspects of their life easier and calmer, then the crutch of a cigarette uh, is easier to let go of. Right. Yeah, so it's all a gradual process. Mm -hmm. but and you know that 90 days, you know, on our cellular structure, and even on, on our mind is, is the process that it takes to incorporate a new change. Yeah, and just get them in, get people ready. And just the same with, like, with both programs, get the people ready to do it. Right. 
And for people with disability, how do you help them become independent? Well, what we do is we find what they want to do. Mm -hmm. And it could be a big goal. And it may may not take, they may not be able to accomplish it in 90 days, but they may be on the right track. Mm -hmm. Because what you have to do is break it down into goals that they can accomplish easily. Right. Exactly. Yeah, and, and work on the self-esteem because I know personally when you get hit with something like this and everything you know is gone, it is a blow to your self-esteem. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not just a physical adjustment. It's in a complete an adjustment of your whole life. And, yeah. you know, it's... You know, it's don't throw yourself out with the bathwater, so to speak. What you have to do is is look what you can salvage to take on with you and what you have to let go. And so, as as you said, it was that, you know, that first diagnosis, you know, threw you into, you know, depression and this and that. And then it was like, okay, how do I get out of this? And letter with Rick Hansen, you know, reading what he did. It's always that one thing, that kind of light bulb moment that helps you shift. And uh, you're helping people find that moment that's something that they really want to do and then it's the how-to isn't it you know well I've always really wanted to do that well now you can you know now you can how do we get there what are the paths steps that you need to take and you do need somebody on the outside to help you with that because we can get caught up too much in in the moment you know and in the in the crippling moment of what we've been given as opposed to embracing what does this mean for us and where is it really directing me. And the advantage of getting somebody working on their dreams is it gets their mind off their situation. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and and that's, that's really important. Yes, that's what, that's what I like to help with. Now you have another book on the right side, um, uh, yeah, on the right side, The Story of Survival and Success. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's... So, Yep, tell us about that one. Okay, that, um, I started writing that after I got rid of the cane, because it was time. Mm-hmm. I came from journals that I started when I, from waking up partially paralyzed on one side of my body, and I kept for the first couple of years. And then I consulted other diaries and everything, but that's what that book was. Mm-hmm. So it's the process, the journey that you went through. Yeah, it's just my experiences, and there's you know things thrown in there like my relationship with my parents and some stories from childhood, just to make it a little more interesting. <laughs> right, exactly, and and that's the point is we learn from somebody else's journey, you know when when it's like well what do I do now I mean. You know, uh, with you, it was the MS. For some people, it's, um, you know, redundancy in their job. For some people, it's a divorce. Uh, some mm-hmm. people, it's a loss of a family member. You know, something comes along. Uh, we call interruptus. And, uh, you know, it's it's when we can read and be inspired by somebody else's journey, it helps us unravel our own and helps us find that path that we need to take to move forward. So these stories are always so very important because they're, they're your how, your why. And that inspiration becomes an invitation for other people to step forth in their own lives. Yeah, and I just want people to realize that you can go from the really down, they get down deep in the dungeon sort of idea. Because when I was put on disability, 
in a way, I was relieved because I was so tired. But in another way, I was like, my God, what's going to happen to me now? Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can rise above that. Exactly. Now, you're a public speaker as well? Uh, yes. After It's funny, though, because when I finished the book, um, okay, 2014 uh, rolled around, I figured, okay, well, how do I get my word out about my message? And okay, public speaking. And there's this thing called the Bill Conference, B-I-L. Mm-hmm. The first year was 2014 here. It's been around the world, but Vancouver was the first Canadian city to have it. And I got up on stage there. And I forgot part of my speech. Nobody knew. Exactly. I told the organizers, like, now I'm on their board of directors. Uh, we have our third coming up February 20th and 21st at the Fox on Main Street. And I'll be speaking again there this year. And I joined Toastmasters right after that. And I've had speaking engagements around the city. Excellent. And you see, when people see you and they hear you and they go, well, hang on, shouldn't she be in a wheelchair? You know, how can she stand? How can she talk? And, and, and it gives them that, you know, that, well, if she can do it, what can I do? You know, and that's, that's, the, that's the point of inspiration, isn't it? Yeah, and that's what I want people to realize, that they can do it themselves. Yeah. They don't need, you know, they don't need the helping hand all the time. They do need the help to get on track. Yes, I, I, I phrased that wrong. What I meant is that they don't, they don't need to stay where they are. No. That's what I meant to say. Yes. And, and that with guidance, you know, they can get into their own groove, their own zone. And then, you know, then it becomes the, the support around you are, are, you know, your comrades, your, you know, your, your believers that, you know, support and celebrate what you're doing. Um, and of course, in any time you need anything, then you know you've got people to fall back on, and that's the whole part of community, is being there for each other and supporting one another through thick and thin. Yes, yeah, so I didn't mean to say you don't need a helping hand because you do need. One. Yes, but, but to the point is you've, you you know the teaching to fish, uh, teaching people how to help themselves. It doesn't mean you're not there in support, but teaching people how to help themselves. Right which is really, really important because ultimately we are with ourselves for the rest of our lives. So how we treat ourselves um, and how we support ourselves is um, in, a, in our own growth or in our own purpose is really up to us. You know, it's that attitude. It's that, okay, I can't do this. What can I do? It's uh, tapping into those dreams and those desires and making something else happen. Um, we all get dealt something. Don't be crippled by what you're dealt with. All it means is that you're meant to take a different path in life and rather look upon it as an adventure. Become an explorer and explore your own possibilities and, and what you're really designed to be here for. And uh, you're an example to other MS people is that you don't have to end up being kind of crippled in the chair. The attitude, the exercise, the diet... You know that that you can slow it down. You can redirect it. Pay attention to it. You become that inspiration to other people. That I do not have to give up and give in. There is more to life, and I could thrive, not just survive. And if you do, even if you do end up in a wheelchair, there's still a lot of life to live. Look at Rick Hansen. Right. 
Exactly. And and I interviewed uh, um Perice Hag, an, an artist with MS. And um uh you know, she's an artist. She does everything from her wheelchair. Uh mm-hmm. but you know, she she discovered art as her therapy. It became for her something that she could express in. And now people, you know, come to uh, to buy her art and they're absolutely shocked to see her in a chair. And she said, well, you know, I'm just in a chair. You know, I've still got the arm and the eye and the desire, <laughs> you know, to paint. So well, stop I putting limitations on with, people. I know a woman with MS who I really admire. And she's, like, when we had the 2010 Olympics, mm-hmm. she was flying downtown and she's in a chair. Uh-huh. So she went on the, now... You know, I always say I'm going to go ziplining one day. Of course, <laughs> it never happens. But, you know, she went and did it. Yeah. And she's got more problems than I did. But she's always bubbly, always vibrant. And, and that's, that's so the key, cool. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, she has her down days. Mm-hmm. But we all do. Exactly. And it's learning to pay attention to your body. You know, not nurturing the wounds but nurturing your body's ability to, if not heal, cope um, yeah. and even thrive. You know, it's it's not over until it's over. Um, you're not restricted until you're restricted. So stop restricting yourself before, you know, ahead of time. Yeah, that's like I said, mind controls so much more than we realize. Exactly. Absolutely. It all starts there. And as I said, inviting the soul, the heart, and the spirit into it as well. You've got to have that relationship with the whole of you. And also, you know, how many people have this kind of guilt? You know, oh, I've got this. How does this affect my family? Um, you know, I'm not going to be a burden on them. And no, it's like, okay, family, this is, uh, this is a, a challenge for all of us. Let's be in it together. There are things that are going to have to be redone. And you're going to have to understand there's different things you're going to expect from me. But don't write me off yet, <laughs> right? Yeah, and things, and there's going to be adjustment period. Mm-hmm. A lot of emotion and tears, and but you know it, that's part of life. Especially if you have kids. I mean, it's great. I'm not gonna say it's great to have a parent to become disabled, right? But it's but great teaching. Part of me. It's a great teaching. It is because teachers. I mean, too many kids nowadays they seem to think you know life is supposed to go easy. Yeah. And we have to get back to teaching people that life isn't always easy. There are challenges. And yeah, you think people that first came over to Canada and settled it. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have it easy. Nope. Nope. Um, I mean, no, life isn't meant to be easy. And if you can teach your children how to deal with challenges and not be afraid of them, and that, you know, when there's a spanner in the works, you know, don't throughout the whole machine kind of look at how to readjust things it's you know MacGyver it right yeah uh, you know and that's the whole point there is always a solution and you know can you get up and do that anymore no you're now meant to do that and it's that discovery and it's you know when the family could step up and not go oh mom you know it's that as you said is the initial thing it's you know it's now okay um we need ramps or we need this what can we do let us step up let's take um uh, you know some ownership here and uh, and help you discover what your redirection is and, and step up as a family to contribute. So, you know, becomes important. Yeah, everyone help each other. Exactly. Exactly. 
because that's what we're meant to do, isn't it? We're, we're so much better when we're together, you know, united as a whole, uh, each bringing our own beautiful gifts to the table. Yes, and then you make a beautiful, a beautiful buffet, beautiful feast. Absolutely, which is yummy. <laughs> so how do people book you? How do they find you? How do they find books? The easiest way to find me is KarenMcGill.com. And the last name is spelled M-A-G-I-L-L. So KarenMcGill.com. And you're based out of uh, Vancouver, B.C., Canada. Yes. But you can do Skype calls and, and uh, help people uh, through online? I can do Skype. I can do telephone. Exactly. So it doesn't matter where online. you are. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, your books can all be found there as well? Uh, my books are all on Amazon. Right. You can get them in print or um, Kindle. Right. They're also in select libraries. Excellent. If, so If you want to read one that's not in your library... Request request it in the library. We'll bring it in eventually. Excellent. Wonderful. And uh, you've got Let's Play, a rock and roll love story, and you've got um, um, Mystique Rising and uh, Missing Flowers and um, The Little Poison. And you've got quite a lot here. So there's a lot of reading people can be doing. Yeah, well, Mystique Rising and Let Us Play are uh, the same book. It's just Mystique Rising is the version. Oh, okay, all right. And then on the right side, I think, is, you know, if you know somebody who's who's just been diagnosed with a disability or, you know, MS, you know, this is a great book to, to give because, as again, when you, when, you, when you hear somebody else who's gone through it and how they've gone through it, it just helps you on your own journey. It makes you feel that you're not alone and you learn tips and, and approaches um, to do the how which is really, really important. So, uh, you know, On the Right Side, A Story of Survival and Success is a lovely book to give to someone who really has just been diagnosed and, and needs that guidance and help. Well, thank you. And you've got your 90-day turnaround uh, where you help people with disability, you know, come to terms with it and what they can do and redirect their lives and also finances, which is essential even for people with disability or anybody and getting their finances in sync um, and that's a lot of the reason people get into debt is they simply don't know how. And uh, so if you can set them off on a path that they can follow a pattern on, then they're not going to go and get themselves into trouble. And uh, yeah. that really helps a great deal um, for anybody, no matter who you are, right? Yeah, and I'm in the process of setting up the uh, financial one. But it's I have some good feelings about it. Right, exactly. <laughs> It's that oh, fundamental to, to following your dreams, isn't it? Get your, get your stuff in order. You know, it's your foundation. It's your platform. You can't build something if you're in financial distress. So get your finances in order so that it has your baseline covered. And then you can start you know, pursuing those dreams and allowing them to uh, manifesting them to happen. Getting your emotions in order, relieving some of the stress. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, my darling, you are truly a, a beautiful light. Um, you know, I love to see people celebrating their own lives. You know, you didn't give up. You didn't give in. Um, you chose to, s to step up and embrace a new journey. And, um, you know, thank you for being that inspiration. Well, thank you. And uh, folks, you know, take a look at the books. And I'm certainly going to have her back again when this movie comes out. And... Uh, 
you realize no matter what card you're given, you know, it's it's only there as a challenge to you to say, you know, this, I'm giving you an obstacle because I want you to go in, in a different direction. I want you to go and do what you're really designed to do. And if you truly learn to adjust and have the right attitude and embrace the path that's put before you, you will realize that in the end it has been a gift and it's led you to really what your divine purpose is. So don't be afraid of the challenges that are placed in front of you. Rise up rise up to them because they're here for a reason and you are so much more and capable of so much more than you ever thought. Well, thank you for having me. You ever were. So, Give yourself some credit and just open that mind and take that journey forward and you too will thrive in life. Thank you so much, Karen, for being with us. My pleasure. And to everyone else, don't give up and don't give in. <laughs>